One two one two. One two one two. Homage. Yeah. One two one two. Got a third eye in my forehead. Yeah. Listen. Yo yo. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Knowledge with Homage. I'll be your host for today. My name is David Castle, also known in some rap circles as Homage. Uh, Let me just thank you again for tuning in and listening. I appreciate every single one of you who listens to this shit, and uh, I hope you gain something from these talks. And uh, don't be afraid to go check out my my website there. It's homage.com. That's homage with a zero, H-0-M-A-G-E.com. You can find uh, my whole album on there um, and just more information about me and shit. You can follow me on Instagram. That's homage with a zero as well. And uh, yeah, that's that's where you'll find me. You can subscribe to my uh, subscribe to my YouTube too. It's Homage TV on YouTube. Anyways, that's enough self promotion for this podcast. Let me get right down to the brass tacks of it and talk about the weather we've been having. You know, we've been having some weird ass weather around here. I live here in Nevada, in northern Nevada, where it, you know it snows and rains. We get all four seasons here, but it seems like winter's just never ended here. Uh, it's been raining a shitload lately, which is weird. It doesn't rain that much here, but apparently there's an atmospheric river coming off of the ocean there. An atmospheric river is like this little ribbon of moisture that has just an insane amount of water that's being dropped on us right now. And of course, they'll call it all uh, global warming, climate change, you know, whatever agenda they're trying to fit it into, because when there's a big agenda and we have to make it seem like mankind is the enemy here, you know, they got to stick to that narrative, and that's that's what they'll say, and people will believe it, and, uh, you know, give up their rights because of that, and that's the ultimate goal of the whole climate change, global warming thing is depopulation, and people giving up their rights, bigger government, and less freedom for you, so don't support that shit, don't be a fucking idiot, uh, look into weather modification, chemtrails, geoengineering, harp, and all that stuff, the ionization of the atmosphere and, and things like that. It's just we're, crazy times we're living in. But, you know, so it goes. And so it goes. Just had Memorial Day the other day. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about Memorial Day. I always, I don't know. I don't support the wars or anything. I know, you know, you had World War II and you could support that because the Nazis were trying to take over the world. Now, regardless of how that shit started... There's a lot of evidence that it was started by the same people who start all the world or all the wars. People like, you know, the Rothschilds and Rockefellers. And it was ultimately created to to create the United Nations. Out of World War One, we got the League of Nations, which was the first type of global government thing. Um, drawn up by I believe it was Woodrow Wilson was very instrumental in getting that created. And then it didn't quite work. You know, you still had national sovereignty. You still had these people trying to do their own things in their own countries. And they weren't able to control everyone like that. So then they had World War II. And out of World War II came the United Nations. And not to mention all the millions of people who died. Um, If you were alive during that time, you know, it was a very high probability you were going to go fight in that war. And that shit was crazy, man. Like, World War II was, was no joke. And it's just terribly disgusting what we do to each other in times of war and that we even have these wars i mean how can we be considered to be adults and to be wise when we go and kill each other in these massive numbers it just doesn't make sense to me 
It never has, but it's been happening for thousands and thousands of years. War has just been a way of life, you know? That's that's how people gain power, and there will always be people willing to fight the wars. And that's why they recruit the younger people. That's why they go into the high schools and try to get people recruited young, because young people, they're, they're not quite mature yet. They haven't figured things out in life. They still think that their bravery and and their courage will be honored and things like that. They got to prove themselves to make girls like them or or whatever it may be. It's it's a total psychological thing though and a, and an older guy knows that shit doesn't matter and it's a hollow pursuit. But a young kid, you know, who's been brainwashed by these propaganda and these movies and these video games and stuff, he'll he'll sign up to go fight in these wars. And uh you got to get him young because those are the people who are easily manipulated and that's the type of people that the military preys upon not just the american military but militaries across the world you know for many many years and uh you know people say you got to honor them for fighting for our freedom and i agree with that i think uh that's true but at the same time i think a lot of these wars never had to happen and and they shouldn't happen for example the war on terror i mean it's been over 18 years since 9-11. I don't know, was that in 2000 or 2001? Anyways, it's it's been a long fucking time since 9-11, and what came out of 9-11, you had uh, the war with Afghanistan. We invaded Afghanistan because supposedly Osama bin Laden is the one who organized those terrorist attacks, which I don't know about all that shit. But we invaded Afghanistan, went and blew up all their shit, took over the opium... Uh, production and made a lots of money shipping a lot of heroin in here and that's still happening we've been in afghanistan you know since 9-11 basically and then after that a couple years later we invaded iraq and toppled the saddam hussein regime we hung him and you know no due process none of that shit no trial which it's not like osama bin Laden. i mean saddam was a good guy or anything but it's just they didn't give him a trial or anything it's just fucking kill him you know and then it, they justify it because supposedly he's evil. And they have to paint these pictures of these dictators and these leaders in order to justify the invasions. When really, what's it all about in the end? It's all about the money, right? It's about the money and spreading American influence and getting them to sign up for these big banks and stuff and get them to all be on the same monetary system and the same global control system, basically. And the whole war on terror was planned out well ahead of time. Uh, in the 90s, you had a think tank group called the Project for the New American Century. People like Donald's Rum- Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, I think, I don't know if Dick Cheney was in it. He might have been. But these people who are big figures in the Bush administration uh, were in this think tank, this Washington, D.C.-based think tank. And they wrote out this plan called the Project for the New American Century and it outlined all of these countries in the Middle East that they wanted to invade and topple these regimes to get them on board with the uh, with America and you know America and Britain and these these big world powers. So there's a few countries who had been kind of holding out. Uh, Afghanistan was one of them. Iraq was one of them. And then you had Iran. Uh, I think Somalia was on there. Syria. So all these countries where we're having these these big wars or where there has been wars in in recent times. Uh, Libya was on there as well. And these are all people who didn't want to sign up for that that central world bank, um, you know, the one bank system, and go off the American dollar. They tried to use their own currency and, and try to, like, maintain their own sovereignty, which we can't have that when you're trying to 
control the whole entire world. So look up the project for the new American century and, and get familiar with that because as soon as Bush got elected, he appointed all of these people. You know, these They were called neocons, neoconservatives. And uh, he appointed all these neocons who were in the Project for the New American Century think tank. And then, boom, it just so happened that uh, 9-11 happened and justified the invasion of all these countries. So so convenient for them, right? So they drew out these plans, and they just needed a reason to do it. They needed a reason to go invade the Middle East, and that's what 9-11 provided them with was justification for invading the Middle East. And uh, that's the way the world works. You know, it's ran by something called the Hegelian dialectic. Um, Hegel was a philosopher. I think he was around in like the 17 or 1800s. But he, and it happened before him too. He's just the guy who kind of put his name on it. But the Hegelian dialectic basically is you have uh, a situation, you, you have an outcome that you want to get to, right? And then in order to make that outcome come about, you create a problem. And then people freak out about the problem, and then you present the solution, which is what you wanted to make happen all the time. So the Hegelian dialectic is a very effective way of manipulating people on a massive scale and like making it seem like you're not doing it. It's a, it's a sly way of doing things, and it's, it's very effective. So you have the, uh, the thesis and then the antithesis, which come together for the synthesis, which was the ultimate goal the whole time. That's basically how the Hegelian dialectic works. And uh, that's the way we're controlled. I mean, they're very good at it. But anyways, moving on from that, the whole thing with Memorial Day, I don't know. I'm not all about it. I'm not a huge flag waver or anything like that. But I do love America. I think it was founded on some great ideals. Maybe. I don't know. I even have questions about that, too. (laughs) They all kind of seem like they're in the same gang at this point. But, um, yeah, so Memorial Day, I mean, it is what it is. There's a lot of people who are still brainwashed by the whole patriotism type thing. And I don't know, people still signing up to fight this war that's going to go on forever because it has to go on forever until all of these people get on board with the New World Order agenda and the One World Government. These wars are going to continue and people are going to keep fighting them. And then the movies are still going to come out and the video games to brainwash people and manipulate their subconscious and get them to join the service and fight these needless wars. And it's a real fucking shame. How could you send your child to go do that? Like, how could you consider yourself to be a loving parent when you're down with sending your kid to go fight in this war that's completely meaningless? And just, you know, but they don't think that, though. Like, they think they're fighting for something. Which, I don't get it. I mean, obviously, fucking someone in the military would freak out if they heard me say that, or somebody whose son was in the military or something, but, I mean, I don't know, man. Just think about it. Like, I don't know. Warfare has changed a lot, too. It's not like how it was in World War One or World War Two, where you were fighting in close proximity and there was just massive numbers of people just shooting at each other across a field or something. Now it's fought with you know, technology, you have drones, you have these fighter jets that can just blow up populations in an instant. You have nuclear weapons, you have chemical weapons, biological weapons, all these different ways of just murking a motherfucker and just killing him. And with the war on terror, it's not just the Middle Easterners who are the enemy, it's 
everybody is the enemy. Everybody needs to be under surveillance. Everybody is a suspect and a possible criminal and a possible terrorist. That's the way they make it seem with the government because the war on terror isn't really about terrorism because they fund terrorism in the first place. They create these terrorist cells, a lot of them at least, and they give them weapons and give them arms and you know, supply them so they can topple these governments in, in foreign places and stuff. And then they use it to justify wars against them. And that's what happened with Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and ISIS and all this shit. Like, there's always ties back to America or Israel or something or Britain. So, I mean, what's the ultimate goal of it? Uh, it's the one world government. It's where everyone's all controlled by the same government. And in order to make that happen... You got to fuck some shit up, and you got to send some kids to die. And happy Memorial Day. Now, moving on from that, I decided to grow a little weed plant this year. It was an autoflower plant. That means it goes from seed to harvest in just 70 days. And uh, it was just a little guy. You know, it wasn't nothing, nothing big, nothing crazy. But it did turn all purple, which was fucking cool. So I cut that down, and... Uh, yeah, it turned out pretty dank. I only got like an ounce and a half off it, but uh, that's pretty good. So that's cool. It's cool that weed's legal now, If but you're still not allowed to grow weed, at least where I am, because you have to be a certain proximity away from a, a distributor, like a weed store. And um, if you are close, if you're within like 20 miles of a of a weed store, then you can't grow weed. It's the dumbest shit. Like I don't, I don't understand. It's a, it's a monopoly on the selling it because there's so much money in it, and that's probably the only reason why I was legalized in the first place. That and to pacify the masses, you know, it's like the Soma from Brave New World. If you haven't read that book, uh, it was written by Aldous Huxley. I think I talked about it in the in the last podcast. But basically, what Soma was, it's this pill that everyone took, and it was to pacify them and just to get them all fucked up so they didn't care about this incredibly oppressive regime that they lived under, this totalitarian government that was watching every single move that they made. So they popped the Soma and then went off into La La Land. Everything was good and they didn't care about how corrupt and fucked up the government was. So I can't help but see the correlations between that and marijuana legalization here in America, and across the world. I think it's going to be legalized across the world as long as it's an effective tool to get people to do nothing and stay home and not, you know, go against the government, basically. Because that's what drugs do. They put you off into an alternate reality. They make it seem like things are better than they are. So that's why drugs can be a very effective tool by people in power. You know, alcohol is like that. You get people all fucked up every weekend so they don't care about how messed up the world is, basically. And they just legalized mushrooms in Colorado, too, which is crazy. I mean, who saw that coming? But, I mean, it, it's cool because it's just a plant, you know? Like, it does. it's not a big deal, and it's why should a plant be illegal? But it's the things that the plant does, you know? I don't know if you've ever done mushrooms, but mushrooms get you pretty fucked up and they put you into this alternate reality. I mean, it's like LSD. It's uh which was invented by the government, by the way. Uh the government did invent LSD. It was invented by the CIA, tested on soldiers and 
on hippies in San Francisco and stuff. They did all of these experiments, and it was a big... The, the whole goal behind it was... It was invented during the hippie movement, right? So during the Vietnam War, there are all of these people who were speaking out against the war, and they really hated it because it was a fucked up war. You know, their kids were being slaughtered in these villages, these innocent kids and stuff. So people didn't like it, and people were being forced to sign up for this war, which was bullshit. So they took to the streets, and they were protesting against the government, and they were protesting against the president and Congress, and just everyone. They were trying to get this war to stop. So the government thought, well, what can we do to make it so the people don't want to change the government? We got to get them to want to change themselves instead and to go on this inward journey. So instead of having a revolution on the outside where you actually change who's in power and who's in the government and stuff, let's just give them these drugs and then we'll make it seem like they're having this big inward journey and that things are changing, that their mind is expanding, and they're somehow understanding the universe, and everything is all right, and, you know, peace and love and all this stuff, when they're really just high, you know? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I've, I've done those drugs and stuff, and they're cool, and they do open your mind and expand your mind to things which you might not have thought about otherwise, but I can definitely see how it could be weaponized and used as a tool to manipulate people because it is i mean fucking there's people who kidnap people and give them all these drugs and and fuck with them and stuff to brainwash them and whatnot but uh i always thought that was interesting how you know these are there's declassified documents too which say that the government invented lsd and i don't know man just to think that the government does that in order to control the people it's mm. It's really interesting, but does it really surprise you at this point? I don't know. So, yeah, mushrooms are legal in Colorado. I don't know. I bet you they'll be legal here in Nevada pretty soon, too. Which is interesting to think about. I mean, is everyone just going to be fucked up on mushrooms all the time? Like, is that going to be a normal thing? Or is it going to be like how it is now when you kind of be low-key about it or something? Or am I going to go to the park and everyone's just fucking tripping? I don't know. I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Or just go to Colorado. I don't know. Because I know the penalty for if you were caught with mushrooms here is like insane. You get manslaughter charges, which is bullshit. I think a lot, of, all the drug laws are bullshit. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think drugs should be like, I don't know. I don't think drugs should be pushed on the public. But decriminalized, I get that. That's good. But for everyone just to be fucked up on drugs all the time, I don't think that's good. I don't think it's good to try to run away from reality. But then again, who am I to talk? I smoke a lot of weed, so I don't know. Another big thing in the news right now is um, the abortion bills, which I talked about that uh, in the last talk a little bit. But I did find out some new information, which I thought was really interesting and I wanted to share with you guys too. So as you probably know, Alabama and Georgia, they passed this law where a woman can't have an abortion uh, if a heartbeat is detected in the child. And they have to give birth to the baby, which fucking, I don't know, if I was that baby, I'd want to be born. I think life's pretty cool, but you know that's just me. There's a lot of people who don't think that, apparently. They don't want to take responsibility for, for having the baby and... Uh, doing all that and then you get you get into the talks of rape and and incest and things like that which is 
obviously fucked up and to force a woman to have that baby is fucked up but I don't know. I don't think it's a... That's the thing, though. It's not about women's rights. Like, the government doesn't give a fuck about your rights. They want the population to be lower. They want to kill people, and they want to kill babies. Because <laughs> if the baby's never born, that's a really easy way to reduce the population if people just stop reproducing. So I think that's the ultimate goal of it. I mean, they definitely want to reduce the population, those in power, I mean. And uh, Planned Parenthood, I talked about that last talk on Margaret Sanger and just how she was racist and wanted to get rid of the black and Hispanic population by putting these Planned Parenthood abortion clinics into poor neighborhoods. I think it's like 19 million um, African-American babies have been aborted since the Roe versus Wade decision. And that's a genocide. I mean, it really is. That's an incredible amount of people killed. I think they said it was about like three to six million Jewish people got killed in the Holocaust, um, which is insane by itself. But 19 million? Fuck, that's a lot of kids, man. Could you imagine? I mean, what if there were some little Jesuses in there or something? Or somebody who could have changed the world? I don't know. But anyways, regardless of your feelings on that, it's, it's a big issue right now. And I think it's definitely being used... I think there's an agenda behind it. And like I was saying earlier about the Hegelian dialectic, I think it might be something more, you know, there might be a more nefarious purpose behind outlawing the abortions after there's a heartbeat. I think it might be something to get people to push back against it to make them to loosen restrictions on abortion. So you, you pass this law and you make it so, you know, you can't abort the baby after there's a heartbeat. And then all of these people freak out and, well, for example, Netflix won't do business in Georgia anymore. I saw a headline that talked about that. Like, pff, give me a fucking break, Netflix. But uh, <laughs> I think it's to get, I don't know. I don't know if it is or not, but it could be to increase public outcry and then to have the federal government come out and make it so they just totally you know, reduce restrictions on abortions and make it so you can do it right up until the baby comes out. I don't know, the fucking baby comes out and you hit it with a hammer or something. I've, there's doctors that will do that shit. Like, they don't give a fuck. They're sick fucks, you know, but I don't know. I I was doing some research into a drug called adrenochrome. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but apparently it's the drug of the elite and it's uh made from the adrenaline of a kid as produced in the pineal gland, I think. And it's like when somebody is really, really afraid or something like that, it gets pumping really good. And then you extract it from this person and then you drink it. Like that's what, that's why Satanists drink the blood of something after they kill it. Because when you die, you have all this adrenaline pumping through your veins. And then if you drink the blood or if you drink the adrenochrome, right when it's fresh and good and shit out of the, out of the veins, then you get all fucked up and it's like this crazy high. And apparently that's what the elite are doing. I don't know. I don't know the truth of this. I've never been to one of these adrenochrome parties, but I definitely think it's interesting. And uh, there's a long history of blood sacrifice going back for thousands of years and drinking the blood of uh, your enemy and somebody you just killed. So I don't know. There's people who think that a big part of the push for abortions to go all the way up until basically until the baby is born like right before they come out of the mom's womb they want to be able to abort the baby and it could be some people think it's to get this adrenochrome because it's an expensive ass drug and it's not easy to get but aborted babies like right when they're 
right when they come out of the womb would be the perfect spot to get that drug because the baby comes out, it's freaking out, it has all this adrenaline pumping because it's getting fucking born and it's obviously a crazy experience to be born into the world. So it has all this adrenaline pumping and uh, it's a perfect place to harvest some adrenochrome. And there's a huge market for uh, for body parts and, and the underground the underground market, the black market. And Planned Parenthood's in on that shit, man. They fucking take these babies and they sell them. They, they take their body parts out and they sell them and stuff. And it's fucked up. And you don't hear people talking about that on the news because that's not, that's not a very good headline for women to get uh, all stoked about, you know, for my, my body type headline or whatever. They don't talk about that. They don't talk about the business side behind it. There's, they're making a shitload of money off of these dead babies, which is just plain evil. It's fucking crazy, man. And then I was reading some shit too, talking about how, uh, the babies, aborted babies are used to make vaccines, which is just mind blowing. I was like, no fucking way. Like that's, there's no way that happens. But then I did some research into it, and it most certainly does. It's in there in the ingredient list. It's called aborted fetal cells. And the reason why they need these aborted babies in order to make these vaccines is because they need a human host. They need a human like tissue in order to culture these viruses and stuff and then to create these vaccines. So in order for this, this disease to grow... um in their lab or whatever, they got to have a little fucking piece of aborted baby in a Petri dish or something so they can make this virus grow. And it's not like stem cells. Stem cells are something different. Stem cells were never in the uterus. Stem cells were never inside of a mom or anything. They were grown in the lab to begin with uh, through artificial insemination. But these aborted fetal cells were actually coming from aborted children and uh, fuck, I don't know what they do, throw them in a blender or whatever, and then it's just disgusting. I don't even like thinking of it, but uh, that's the reality of the world we live in and the reality of organizations like Planned Parenthood, which are completely evil. And I'm not like some super conservative, super Christian dude or anything like that. I just I just know what the fuck they're up to, you know? And I know to read between the lines and to do deeper research and to try to figure out what's going on because anytime the government is trying to tell you they care about your rights or anything like that, like, dude, nah, they, they don't give a fuck about you, so. But they target, they target women for these type of things um, because women are more easily manipulated and mobilized than men are, and that's been known for a long time. Uh, it's just different ways that our minds work, and don't get offended by this if you're a woman or anything, it's just the way it is. I mean, if you look at in relationships and stuff, there's a lot of women who fall into these abusive relationships and they become manipulated. I mean, it's just the nature of that. Like women are naturally a little more submissive and that's just the way of the world. But even that is being reversed now because men are becoming more submissive to women. And there's been a whole reversal of the traditional family roles. And, uh, a lot of it started with the women's rights movement, which seemed to be a great thing, right? Let's let's give women rights. Let's get them in the workplace so they can make some money and become independent. Let's give them the vote and, and do all this stuff. But 
that as well had a nefarious purpose behind it. It was funded by people like the Rockefellers. And uh, there's a few different reasons why they wanted to do that. Because when they got women into the workplace, it doubled the tax bracket. It made it so they got double the money from the people. So there's twice as many people working. That means twice as much money from taxes, which means twice as much money for the government and their cronies and the corporations who are in bed with the government. So they had that, and they don't give a fuck about women's rights. I mean, come on. A lot of women do, and I do. I mean, I think women should have equal rights to men as well, but there definitely was a nefarious purpose for why this whole movement happened. And what came out of the women's rights movement as well, uh, there was less stay-at-home moms, less mothers staying with their children and stuff, and uh, the children weren't as obedient to their parents, I guess. You know, they're more raised by the state and by television because the mom has to work all day and so does the dad. And it's not like when women went to work, there was just a lot more money for the family. No, of course not. It was people were still struggling just to get by. And then all of a sudden, both parents had to work instead of just the man. It used to be you could live pretty comfortably, you know, in like the the mid-1900s or something, live pretty comfortably off of just the, the guy working, off of just the man. Well, the mom stayed home, took care of the kids, took care of the house, um, cooked the food and things like that. And that was cool. Like, they didn't see that as being fucking punished or anything like that, you know? They just saw that as what it meant to be a mom or what it meant to be a wife and, and to be a woman. You know, they were just taking care of their business and stuff. So they looked after the house, prepared meals, took care of the children. And the man went to work. He worked very hard. I mean, it wasn't easy for him by any means. But then after uh, the big push to get women in the workforce, now all of a sudden no one's looking after the house. No one's looking after the kids um, both parents are working. There's not really any in- extra income. They're still barely scraping by. But, you know, now you have two people in the workforce. You've doubled the amount of taxes and uh, you haven't raised the standard of living any. So th- there was a whole a whole plan for that shit. And what else resulted from that uh, introducing women to the workplace in massive numbers was... Men have been like robbed of their masculinity, and this has been happening for a long time. Um, it's the natural urge of a man to like want to fight and fucking be part of the tribe, you know. And like, shit was pretty crazy back in the caveman days, you know. You had to watch out for these animals that were trying to kill you or rival tribes and all this stuff. So, man is naturally an aggressive, you know, like fucking violent person and he wants to be the man of his house and he wants to you know have that role of being a fucking man you know but now we've been robbed of our mask we've been robbed of our masculinity it's like men are no longer allowed to be men um many men are just submissive to women now and the woman is calling the shots i used to sell cars and I would see that all the time. Like, a guy would want to buy a car, and then his wife would be right there and telling him no. And he's like, oh, okay, well, she's the boss, you know. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. Uh, they say that a lot. But it seems like, you know, that's definitely true that 
men are more submissive to women. Like, women are the head of the household now, and men are just fucking stupid idiots. That's the way they're portrayed on TV. You got shows like... Uh, there's a bunch of shows where just the the main male character is just a dumbass. And then, like, the woman is the one handling shit. She's like, oh, that's just, you know, that's just dad being an idiot and fucking... Yeah, like Family Guy or something. Picture Peter from Family Guy. He's like a dumb fuck. And, uh... Whereas Lois, you know, she holds it together. So these are little tactics used to manipulate the subconscious and to reverse these gender roles and stuff because that's what they're trying to do. And it's all about disintegrating the family unit and just totally changing the way things are and creating this new system, which is what they need in order to create the new system. (laughs) They have to reverse the gender roles they have to get rid of the family and make it seem like the government is the one who runs shit. It's not the man of the house. It's not dad who runs things anymore. It's just the government or, you know, the professor or the the newscaster, the celebrities and things like that. Just anything but the family. So that's what's happening to us right now. And it's really sad, honestly, that um, the family unit is being destroyed. And many people don't want to have kids anymore. Uh, I just read a statistic today saying, well, we're definitely not having as many kids as we used to. I think it's we're at the lowest birth rate since uh, 1986 in the United States here. So even though there's a lot more people here, the birth rate is way, way down. And uh, that's just the way it goes. And they're they're very effective with these, these mind manipulation tactics. And television and fiction is a huge part of this. TV shows and movies and things like that because people mimic what they see on TV. You know, it's monkey see, monkey do. Most people are just a product of what they've seen on TV. And you hear it with the things they talk about. You know, it could be whatever was just in the news, whatever they just saw on social media. Um, They'll talk about the show they just watched, which is natural. I mean, you can't, like, get mad at someone for doing that, for talking about something they just experienced or something they just saw. But it's just very rare that you see someone who has an original thought and really analyzes the world for themselves and comes up with something new. It's very special when you meet someone who is like that because most people aren't. Most people are just a product of their surroundings and never have an original thought, which is really sad because we're put here on this earth to be ourselves. We're not meant to just mimic each other and fucking just be like a clone of everybody else. You're supposed to be yourself. And if you can't be yourself, then, you know, why are you here? I mean, like, what is there to do? You just got to act like everybody else, which fucking sucks. And there's a lot of people, very, very smart people, who have talked about the importance of knowing yourself. That's an old, an old um, saying that very, very wise people have said is to know thyself. To know yourself is incredibly important. Carl Jung talked about this a lot. Uh, Carl Jung was a psychoanalyst, a contemporary of Freud. Um, He was very into dream interpretation. Now, the the first person in modern times to really look into dreams was uh, Sigmund Freud. Now, apparently, I I was doing some research on dreams last night, and uh, this guy was saying that in the Middle Ages, when everyone was really controlled by the Catholic Church. 
and they had a very strict interpretation of the Bible. Um, most most people were peasants. They were serfs or slaves, and they were uneducated. They couldn't read. Um, they didn't know much about the world. They didn't know history. They didn't know anything except this little patch of land they lived on and fucking farming whatever they farmed, farming potatoes and shit. That's all they knew, and it wasn't necessarily their fault. They just didn't have access to an education. Most people never learned to read, and there's a very small percentage of people in that time who were educated. And dreams, like, for example, if uh, you had a dream that your neighbor's barn burned down, and you told him that, and then his barn burned down, then you could be arrested and burned at the stake for being a witch, because that was the devil talking to you in your dream, and you were possessed by a demon. And that's really what they thought about this shit, so people didn't talk about their dreams, and, uh, because it was risky, you know? Fuck. And that's actually a very common thing, is to have a psychic phenomenon in your dream. I've had that happen. I've had a fucking crazy dream where I predicted the future. Actually, a few of them. But, you know, back then, that was just, you, you didn't go there because the church was so crazy that, you know, you had to be on edge all the time and you had to be really careful about what you said. Well, fast forward to about 1900, um, end of the 19th century, early 20th century, you had the whole psychology movement. You had Sigmund Freud who wrote The Interpretation of Dreams and he postulized that in addition to having the conscious mind, you know, like your waking mind, you also have a subconscious, which is actually much more in-depth. There's all these things we have hidden inside of us, inside of our mind, that we don't give expression to in daily life, and it comes out at nighttime during our dreams. And that's why it's so important to analyze your dreams. And he did a lot of this with his clients and uh, did a lot of research into what certain dreams meant, what he would ask his clients what they thought. I'm, actually, I should say patients, they're not really clients. He would ask his patients what they thought the dream meant and uh, just try to analyze it and to get an idea of what the subconscious mind was because this was a relatively new like idea. And then Carl Jung came about. He's a little bit younger than Freud, but he was like his little protege, very, very intelligent man, and um, he built upon that. So in addition to the subconscious mind, he postulized something about the collective unconscious. Basically what that is, is beyond the subconscious, you have this thing called the collective unconscious, which is this collective mind that is shared by all of humanity. And it goes back for thousands and thousands of years. And we have these things called archetypes, which are like these symbols that exist in the collective unconscious and they mean for more or less the same thing across the board and they go back thousands of years. It's just because humanity has been around so long, it's like engraved like deep, deep within our being to notice these these symbols and these archetypes and to interpret them subconsciously in a certain way. So this is all like crazy shit that, that's going on here and uh, Carl Jung made some very, very, very interesting breakthroughs. And one of the things he really spoke out against was something called mass-mindedness. He stresses the importance of being an individual in these times when everybody is just going going with the flow, you know, being part of the group. 
And Carl Jung lived in fascist Europe when, you know, leading up to World War II. I mean, he saw World War I, and then he saw everything that happened after World War I that led into World War II. He saw the rise of uh, Mussolini in Italy and Hitler in uh, Germany and just how these people would just give in to these crazy fucking fascist dictators and just give over their minds to them and not think for themselves. They would just believe whatever this guy told them. And they could be mobilized and turn into a crazy fucking army and kill six million Jewish people, you know, and, and try to take over the world. And he recognized that people had the ability to be manipulated like this. It was like, it's a human trait for people to be submissive to authority. It's just the way we are. You know, it's like ingrained in us on a deep level. So Carl Jung would talk about how important it was for people to think for themselves and to know yourself, to look within yourself and study yourself and why you have these habits, why you think about things in a certain way and and where these thoughts came from and all of this stuff. And that's incredibly important to do because a lot of your thoughts and a lot of the things you think about stuff, if that makes sense, things you think about stuff, uh, a lot of the the stuff you think is a product of somebody else or something. You like you like look into it and you're like, holy shit, I believe that because I was told this in elementary school by my teacher and I just never questioned it ever since or something like that. You know, that's the genesis of a lot of our thoughts. And that there's very few people who have original thoughts and are thinking about things and analyzing them for themselves. And that's when you run into the danger of having dictatorships and having a very like powerful fucking fucked up regime in power you have to take away the individual and create this mass mindedness and that's happening now more than ever I mean there's so many people who just hop on the bandwagon for whatever is happening and refuse to look at things from another perspective they just go with the masses they follow the group wherever it goes they're a bunch of fucking sheep and it's just that doesn't lead anywhere good, you know? You got to look the other direction and think about things for yourself and really analyze things and know yourself. I mean, this is something they've been talking about. You know, all the big philosophers have talked about that, you know, from Plato up to fucking Ralph Waldo Emerson and Arthur Schopenhauer and uh, Henry David Thoreau. I mean, these very, very smart people have really stressed the importance of studying yourself. And one of the ways that, Carl Jung said um, we could know a lot about ourselves was to study our dreams. He said that dreams give us an indication of the way things are going in our life. They, they bring out all of these things that are in our subconscious that we've kind of pushed aside, but it, it all gets stored in your brain. I mean, we remember everything that happens like all the time. It gets stored in a certain part of your brain. And then at night, you have these dreams... I mean, everybody dreams. It's a scientific fact that everybody dreams. Not everybody remembers their dreams, but it's a fact that everybody dreams, at least for some of the night. I think it's for about like 90 minutes a night. You have like four 15-minute dream intervals. Wait, that makes 60. I don't know. But everybody dreams. And basically, Carl Jung was thinking that dreams are a way to... They're like therapeutic for you. And you could study your dreams. You could find out a lot about yourself if you're able to interpret these symbols that appear in your dreams. And obviously, whatever dream you have has to do with whatever situation you're in at life during that time. 
like it all corresponds to what's happening in your life. And if you study your dreams, you can find out a lot about what's happening, you know, and how you feel deep inside about things. Because there's a lot of feelings and uh, thoughts that we suppress in our mind. And we really work off of our ego, which is your conscious mind, which is not your true self. It's a portion of yourself, but it's basically like this idea of yourself that you portray to the people around you. And it's it's like a facade. I mean, it's a persona. And what persona means, a, a persona, I think it comes from a mask that people used to wear uh, during like Greek times for these um, plays. They put on a mask and that would be their persona. They would turn into a different person. So basically the idea behind it is we put on these personas and these masks in our everyday life and no one is really their true actual self. So to study oneself and to really try to understand why you do what you do and why you think what you think is incredibly important. It's something so few people are able to do. And I won't act like I'm a fucking master of it or something. Um, I'm sure there's many parts of myself that I am unfamiliar with and, and could work on, but I, I do know the importance of doing it and taking the steps required in order to make that happen. So uh, Carl Jung would recommend keeping a dream journal and um, doing dream analysis. A, a really easy way to, to study this aspect of your life is to keep a dream journal. When you wake up from your dream, you write down everything that happened and some people don't remember their dreams in which case I don't know I don't really know what to tell you maybe you can work on it and try to remember them someday I don't know maybe if you work on it you'll be able to like hone that skill and make it happen but if you can remember your dreams then then write them down every morning and then do this for at least a week and then look back on your dreams and see see what's going on see if you can recognize any themes and any correlations between your waking life and your dream life, because there will be correlations. It all stems from like your waking life and these subconscious thoughts that you're pushing aside. And it's your subconscious mind trying to help you and trying to like bring these things to your attention, but it speaks in the language of symbols. It can't like come to you and say, Hey, David, you need to do this because this is happening. You know, like this happened in your life. Therefore, you should do this, this, and this. Your subconscious mind doesn't have an ability to do that. It works with pictures and images and like situations and stuff. It's basically creating a movie out of your subconscious mind to like for you to analyze and interpret. So it's it's really interesting. I mean, like how amazing that we have the ability to do this. And that brings into question like how much of reality is real because dreams seem pretty fucking real when you're in them, right? I mean, most people can't tell the difference between a dream and reality when they're in a dream. So what if fucking, what if reality is a dream? And, uh, you know, dreams are real life. I don't know. I've thought about that before. It seems really weird. It's just the material world is such a a small part of our existence. I think our true nature and uh, the true reality of things extends far beyond matter and, you know, just the solid objects that we can touch and measure just the things that can be analyzed in science. But that's what we're led to believe in is um, that the scientifically measurable things are all that's real in life. And that's why there's so many people who are atheists now, so many people who don't believe in a higher power. And uh, 
I, I think they're just, they don't get what's going on. And there's an agenda, too, to get people to not believe in God because they want the government to be God. They want to rule the world through a scientific dictatorship. And if you have a supreme being and a fucking higher purpose to life than just getting money and going to work and shit, then that scientific dictatorship is not going to work. People aren't going to submit to their authority because they know there's a high authority above that, you know, which is God, which is spirituality, and which is fucking something i don't know i don't claim to know it all but i'm pretty sure something's going on because i've had some weird experiences myself and uh since we're on the topic of dreams and i've strayed off to this topic let me share with you a really really powerful experience i had in a dream one time so um when i was a kid when i was in high school i had a a friend of mine he's my best friend his name was cj and he was a couple years older than me and we hung out all the time, and uh, for years and years, my best friend, you know. Unfortunately, there came a time when uh, he got into, like, these opiate pills, like morphine and things like that, and he was he was doing a lot of that. Uh, I did it once in a while, but I wasn't, like, super addicted like him. Like, he went off, off the deep end with that shit and then started doing heroin, you know, just hanging with the wrong crowd and uh, just all about freaking doing heroin because that stuff is incredibly addictive it could take anyone and just turn you into an, into an addict and it's really sad so after he's he started doing that i didn't really hang out with him anymore because it's fucked up you know like what are we gonna do i don't want to do heroin all the time and that's when you're a heroin addict that's what you do your whole life revolves around finding that drug and doing it and I didn't want to be a part of that, so we kind of lost touch. We were always cool with each other and shit. We just didn't hang out as much anymore. And then uh, when I was a senior in high school, I remember I was sitting in, actually, my U.S. government class, and I got a text message from this chick I fucking barely even knew, and she barely knew him, but somehow she knew before me that uh, he had passed away. And he died. He overdosed on heroin, uh, shooting up, uh, uh, shooting up heroin in his bedroom, and then his mom found his dead body. So incredibly sad, and I was blown away, and it was the first time I had lost someone really close to me, you know, like a best friend. And that shouldn't happen to anyone. I mean, like the whole opioid crisis and epidemic, I don't know, I could go into that, but I'm talking about my dreams. So yeah, my friend CJ died from shooting up heroin, and then a couple days later, um, I was going to the skate park, and I was skating down the street. I think it started raining, and my wheel fell off of my skateboard. So I was like, oh, shit, no point in going to the skate park now. But I remembered that my other friend, Michael, was getting a tattoo. And he was saying that I should, like, stop by because it was going to take a long time for him to do this. And uh, I was, it turned out I was right by the tattoo shop. It was pretty close to the skate park. So I was like, oh, cool, I'll go pop in there. And it turned out that the tattoo he was getting... Well, hold on. Let me. I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's go back to the previous night. I was sleeping, and then I had a dream. This is what the whole story is about. Jeez, I'm an idiot. I suck at telling stories. So <laughs> I, I had this dream, right? And this is right after CJ died. And then I'm on this dark road, and I'm driving in my truck down this road. And then I see someone in the middle of the road in my headlights, and I get out of the truck. And I go walk up to this person who was CJ. And I was like, I was like, holy shit, man. Like, you're dead. Like, are you okay? Like, 
what's going on? He said, no, no, everything is fine. Everything's fine. And we uh, just had a little conversation. He said that everything was good. You know, he was dead, but everything's fine and everything will be okay. And it was just totally reassuring me on the whole process after death. And then he said something that really struck me and really stuck with me. He said, uh, you're going to see me on TV soon. And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> I woke up the next morning feeling so puzzled. and It was such a powerful experience. And I don't know if you guys have ever had a dream like that, but it's really crazy. It's a really fucking crazy feeling when you wake up the next morning. You're just like, holy shit, I just talked to a dead person. And like he was there, you know, like it was really real. And then he told me I was going to see him on TV, which... I didn't understand that, but I definitely remembered it. You know, it was a main theme of the of the dream. It was the thing that stuck out the most. So the next day, like I said, I'm going to the skate park. Uh, my wheel falls off, starts raining. No point in going to the skate park now. And uh, decide to go visit Michael at the tattoo shop where he is getting a tattoo. And the tattoo that he's getting is actually CJ's face. He's getting a portrait of him on his arm. And it was really cool. It was a really nice one. So I go in there and... Uh, I see it taking shape, and it looks really good. looks just like him, you know? And uh, Michael's like, hey, they're... he's like, what's up, man? You know, say hi and stuff. And then he tells me that they were just filming a commercial inside of the tattoo shop. So he was just on TV, and they got a close-up of Michael's new tattoo, which was CJ's face. And since then, I've seen that commercial dozens of times. I've seen him on TV dozens of times. And, I mean, you can call that coincidence, you can call that what you want to call it, but, I don't know, that that says something to me, you know? That says something to me about what the human mind is capable of, what happens after death, and just the true nature of reality. I think there's a lot, lot more going on than, than what we're led to believe. Because how would he know that? Michael didn't know they were filming a, a commercial there, and... I don't know what what is it that the dead know? Do they have the ability to go into the future and and see what's going to happen cuz that's fucking sure seems like that's what happened. And it was just crazy, man. Like that's that's definitely one of the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. Um really cool experience. Like how cool, man. I'm really glad he did that. That that happened. Um or people would might say that, that I made it up all in my head and that's all coincidence or something, but I don't think that. I think I think he came to me and told me that and there was a reason behind that. So I would know. So I would know like the true nature of things and so I would know that he's cool and uh yeah, maybe so I could share this story with you right now. To think about life and and the reason things happen and how one thing leads to another and the cause and effect of everything and how meeting a certain person could lead to so much or not meeting a certain person. Like, it's so fucking crazy. Just life is just crazy. It's really magnificent, beautiful thing. And despite all of the bad things that are happening, which I talk about a lot and I focus on a lot, I know there's a, there's a bigger reality that is incredibly beautiful and special that we're all taking part of. And, uh, we're making it happen, you know, and every decision you make, every thought you have, every word you speak 
is contributing to this reality and we're making the future happen with everything that we do, which is why it's so important to be well-informed and to care about shit and to fucking, you know, be a good person and shit. But it doesn't mean that you should be, like, you shouldn't be ignorant of the bad things happening. I think there's a lot of people who are like that. They think that since there's something bad happening in the world, that, um, I don't know, if they ignore it, it'll go away or something. There's a weird mentality that people have. Or they think that since there's so much bad happening and these power, these people are so powerful who are doing it that there's no point in even talking about it or thinking about it because they can't do anything about it. And why would you think like that? I mean, why would you give away all of your power as a human being? Why would you let them win like that, you know, and just fucking give up like a pussy? Like, fuck that shit, man. I'm not going to be like that, dude. Uh, But it takes a strong mind and it takes a mature mind and somebody who is able to deal with reality in order to think about these issues. And I think that you listening right now, you're one of these rare people who has the ability to do that. And not everyone is able to do that. So if you possess that ability, you know, make the most of it and uh you're you're a special person. Because most people won't do that shit, man. They don't want to think about it. They want to live in a fantasy world where everything's all peaches and cream. But not even that, you know, they're just fucking who the fuck knows, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out of my ass, but I don't know. It's really interesting. Another person who I find very fascinating and really opened my mind to the more uh, like spiritual aspect of things was Edgar Cayce. Edgar Cayce is the most well-documented psychic of all time. He was born in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and I think it was 1877. Died in about 1944, 1941, sometime during World War II. He had the incredible ability to put himself into a self-induced hypnosis basically just make himself go to sleep. And then he would have someone guide him through a trance. Uh, most of the time it was his wife or his his close friend and assistant, which, ah, I forget her name. I read his whole book. It was really long, and there's a lot of names in it. So <laughs> I forget the name. Oh, I think it was Gertrude. Or was that his wife? I don't know. But Edgar would go into these uh, these self-induced hypnoses, And then you could ask him any question about anything, and then he would give you an answer. And he helped a lot of people with uh, holistic healing. He gave people remedies on on what they can do to um, cure their ailments and stuff. And this is in the early 1900s. Medicine was not so advanced. There's still a lot of things we hadn't hadn't figured out at that point. But he was coming up with things that were uh, well beyond their time. And he wasn't a doctor or anything. He was a simple farm kid. You know, like, he he never learned any of that shit. But the, the information that he had access to was incredible. I mean, things that are just unexplainable. Like, seriously, just don't make any sense. I'll have to give a whole talk on Edgar Casey one of these days because there's so much incredible shit that this guy did uh, that I don't even know where to begin. I shouldn't even brought him up right now because I'm about to end this podcast right here. I think I blacked out for a second there. I don't even know what I just talked about. I talked about a bunch of shit. I kind of just ramble on, and I hope you stick with me through it. <laughs> I hope it is um, somewhat understandable and and that you enjoy listening. 
for now, I will have to say goodbye. Until next time, until next week, I am David Castle. This is Knowledge with Homage. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day. Be good to each other. Look out for your family. Do cool shit. Make good decisions. And I will talk to you next week. Maybe in a couple days. I don't know. We'll see when the next time I do a podcast is. But thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. Bye-bye. All aboard. I know it feels insane on a train with no love. Drugs all deep in the brain on a train with no love. I know it feels insane on a train with no love. Hot God deep in the brain on a train with no love. Shit. I know it feels insane on a train with no love. Drugs all. Jay Lee, that's my homie, and we up to buy the key. Business is good, got a new wife. I can do this for the rest of my life. Hang with stars, drive fast cars, still wear vests for protection at the bar. Smoke me a spliff, talk big shit. Never in my life will I ever will slip. Don't test me, cause I'm fast with the steel. Bullets come hot, but they make cats chill. Ready to kill if a cat comes short. Nigga, Lord of mercy, dead on the porch. I gotta do this, cause I can't hesitate. If I do it too early, then I'm coming in late. Call Jay Lee, he said cool. Man, I'm glad you got rid of that. He said it's a concert going downtown The OJ's whispers Dan James Brown Before you come, can you make this round? We got a package coming off Greyhound I said we do, why you didn't tell me? He said I was off with the family I thought for a sec, then said okay That's the homie Jay Lee, that's the homie from the way Got the information, got to the spot Picked up the drop, then I got popped They said we got you, read me my rights And all I can think about is my wife Got to the station, called Jay Lee He said it ain't nothing I can do for you, homie Hook up the phone, I heard the dial tone Now I'm thinking what the hell is going on Damn I had a good lawyer, I got five years Jay Lee did it to boost his career Gave me up to get a bigger cut And I didn't even see it cause I was caught up in the lust Man, this trial done made me broke Nobody's laughing, but I feel like a joke My wife is there, she's filled with tears She'll have a new man in five years I got a cold heart, I ain't gon' lie But that shit right there made me cry Trapped in the cell, the first day in My cellmate shake me in the back with a pen I can feel it go in, I turn for revenge He started screaming, I killed his friend I started to shake, he started to fuss He said over oh, goddamn 600 bucks Man, he could've killed me, he started to laugh He said, I'm gonna have to live with my past Let the demon sit up in my my brain from bringing that pain, from moving that cane. I'm sitting there bleeding, shit is misleading. I'm in a hospital on the very first evening, gritting my teeth, cause life ain't sweet. Now I'm trapped in the belly of the beast. Shit. Three 
365. I did it five times, and I walked out with a lie in my mind. No red meats, I'm back on the streets. Things done changed, it's a new game. Cast that I knew that was into the books. To flip the script, and turned into crooks. Homies would say that the player Jay Lee would always say good things about me. I say for real, they say for real. Too bad the homie died in the dope deal. He left you a key for a mailbox. He said, sorry about something didn't stop. I took the key to the mailbox, opened it up, and you know what? Jay Lee left me 92 G's and a note that read what I please. Forgive me, friend, for I have sinned. Sometimes we forget what life we're in. I know money when we pay the hurt, but maybe it could wash away the dirt. Cause we were born with hearts of gold, but as we get old, the heart gets cold. I folded the note and kept it with me, so I can always be with the homie Jay Lee. I thought good things like before the drugs and before the train with no love. I called my wife, she was surprised, she took me back. Now how you love that? And just like that, I'm out of the game. That was the last stop on that train. Shit, I'ma tell you. And that was the last stop on that train. Yeah.